0: Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness doesn't lead to death, rather it's for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And after this he said to the disciples, Let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of the world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was, re- he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there, so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciple, Let's also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you've been here My brother wouldn't have died, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that you will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? The Jews who were there with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, He was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Couldn't he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is such a stench because he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing there, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Holy God, who is resurrection and life, breathe into us. Clothe us again with sinews, flesh and skin, restore us, revive us. Amen. This morning's gospel is another long one. It's been difficult this tonight, having all of these long stories in the gospel that so we could spend weeks on each one, and yet we just want a few minutes. And here we are today again with this story, a familiar story, the story of the raising of Lazarus. Part of this story is one of the options for readings at funerals. It's sort of a lesson I prefer to preach on in those moments because it's so very human. In this story, we see grief erase social norms as we hear the sisters, Jesus' friends, speaking out of their hurt and pain, not trying to form their words in politeness or correct sentences, but really speaking out of a place of hurt. I imagine many of us have spoken out of that place when someone we have loved, God. I mean, the first thing that Martha says to Jesus isn't a welcome or a thank you for coming. She just says, "Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, I know that God would give whatever you ask of Him." Now, whenever we read anything out of the scriptures, because they are our scriptures—the thing we find sacred and holy—sometimes we hear these words. As high and lofty, but these words of Martha aren't that. The first thing she does is she reproaches him. There's so much behind her words. This question, why won't you heal? We hear so many different thoughts. You've healed so many. Why not my brother? Why not your dear friend Lazarus? Don't you love us? Don't you care for us? Did we do something wrong? And while the second sentence may seem simply an affirmation of faith, it's not empty. It's full of requests. It's saying, you know, do something, fix this, make it right. It's so very human, so much pain in the face of death and loss, something we can all relate to. With this gospel lesson, as I've been going about with it in my head and my heart, I've been thinking a lot about life and death. One of the privileges of the work of ordained ministry is to be people with people close to death and at the moment of death. To be with people as they breathe, as they try to make sense of life without the person that they love, sometimes it feels like we're sort of living in the space between life and death, feeling that boundary in between them, feeling what the difference is or the lack of difference. At funerals, I frequently say that, yes, our loved ones live on in the presence of God, but they also live on in each one of us, because we are shaped by the people who love us. The people we are today isn't some creation of ourselves, but it's lovingly fashioned by all the people who have cared for us in our lives. I think of my own life how I have been shaped by those who are no longer with us, and yet I feel them so close, so present in a real way. To give an example for this, you know, I would preface the example by saying I wish I could say that I'm always confident, that I'm always sure in what I'm doing in my practice of ministry, but so often... I question myself so often. I lack that confidence, that wandering and, and living in wondering and not knowing the way forward. One thing that we say in our church about a call for ordained ministry is that it's not just about the individual, but there's the individual's call, the community that that individual lives in, and then the larger church's call. And so, in those moments. When I can't believe in myself, I call up the images of those who believe in me. When I feel their presence with me, I think of Merle and Lila behind me. I remember their encouragement and their belief when I rest on them. The divisions between life and death are sometimes thin, almost Transparent. Sometimes I talk to my grandmother. Maybe you have a loved one that you find yourself reaching out to, sharing the news, sharing the joys of life. This division between life and death. That may seem thin, that may seem transparent. In God it is I'm struck by the simplicity of the action of raising Lazarus from the dead. In the ancient world, we would expect sort of elaborate rituals, arcane incantations, elaborate manual acts. I mean, raising the dead must be a hard thing to do, and we don't even have to turn back 2,000 years. I mean, look at Hollywood. Now, the only example I could think of probably isn't the best, but one of my favorite shows is from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and... She dies, and in order to raise her up from life, they have to go and hunt down all of these rare objects. They have to make sacrifices, and they have to chant this weird thing to bring her back to life. But in our gospel story this morning, we have none of that. Jesus just simply says, Lazarus, come out. It's an incredible demonstration of power. Or maybe, maybe better, better than that, it's a revelation of who Jesus is. This is what miracles are in the Gospel of John. Miracles aren't necessarily for the healing of people, but they are signs. John calls them signs that point to Jesus' true nature, his divinity. This is why Jesus in the beginning of the passage, it says that Lazarus' death is for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. For Jesus, it's so easy, so simple like breathing. The act itself manifests Jesus' self-revelatory statement, I am the resurrection and I am the love. It's not that this is just some facile action accomplished by Jesus. Rather, it's easy because it's who he is. Resurrection and life are not something he bestows or achieves or has to work really hard for or has to bring about through extraordinary means. It's just Jesus being himself. Christ is resurrection. Christ is life. This is why we gather each week. This is why we find ourselves together here around this sacred table, resurrection and life. In our reading from the Hebrew Scriptures, we eavesdrop on a conversation between God and the prophet Ezekiel taking place. Within a sacred vision, we have this fabled valley of the dry bones. It's this metaphor for the whole house of Israel. And it's not just dry bones, it's bones beyond life, devoid of any potentiality of life, desiccated and lying on the floor of the desert yet, God breathes life into them again. God enrobes them with the trappings they have not lost. God is love. God is resurrection. And of course, this is what we'll all celebrate in two weeks as we gather in here in our finest to celebrate Jesus' resurrection. But what does this mean for us at the conclusion of our Lenten journey? What does it mean here within these 40 days? I believe that part of our Lenten practice is excavating, uncovering the parts of ourselves that are like dry bones, the places within where Lazarus is in the tomb. The act of fasting denies us something of pleasure, something that makes life more savory, something that we just might use to cover up the places within that feel devoid of life. We're so good at that. We're so good at avoiding, at covering up, at ignoring the problem. But I imagine for all of us here this morning, we all have Lazarus' place with him. Perhaps it's part of us that's been worn down by the hardships of life, the stuff that just comes with living, the loss of loved ones, the loss of relationship, the loss of dreams that never came to be and never will. Parts of us that feels shriveled. Parts of us where hope is desiccated. Parts of us that have been truly and viciously scarred. Parts of us that hurt achingly. Or maybe even parts of us that used to hurt. But the pain has withered away with the dryness of old bones that no longer carry the promise away. All of this... All of these places can make us feel like we're in that cold scene with Lazarus. That there's nothing better coming. That this is what it is, and we have to deal with it. And yet, yet there is. Waiting for us is Jesus, who is resurrection, Christ, who is life. The one for whom the veil between life and death is nothing. The one who still cries out our name, urging us again and again to come out of the tomb and into life. In these final days of Lent, I encourage you to join me in searching to those parts that feel withered, feel dry but feel dead and bring them with us through our journey of Holy Week. Invite them to the table on Monday Thursday as we remember Jesus giving a new commandment as we kneel and wash each other's feet. Feel the sorrow present with us at the foot of the cross on Good Friday. Lay them in the desolate tomb with Jesus on Saturday, and there encounter the God who is resurrection and who is life. The one who does not have to do anything but merely being in the presence of His resurrection and life. The one who takes our dry bones and breathes into a new life. The one who clothes us again with joy and with hope and with faith. The one who, great and all-encompassing love, calls us out of the tomb, saying, Come to life once again. Be renewed. Be restored.